Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Financial Sense Lifetime Income Program. Now, here's the Financial Sense News Team, Jim Paplava and John Leffler. Well, we've all heard there are certain foods that are not good for us. We all know that sugar is not the best thing to have in our food, salt, or even gluten. But are you aware there are other things that we consider healthy that may be actually unhealthy for us. Joining me on the program today is noted heart surgeon and cardiologist Stephen Gundry. He's the author of a new book called The Plant Paradox, The Hidden Dangers of Healthy Foods That Cause Disease and Weight Gain. Doctor, in the beginning of your book, you make a statement that if I told you that everything you thought you knew about your diet, your health, and your weight is wrong... You know, that, that's a major statement in terms of what we know to be healthy today. Explain what you mean by that. Well, through my years of research now, looking at what I assumed were healthy foods, I realized that many of the foods that we've been told to eat are healthy are actually the cause of a great number of our problems. And, in fact, Carl Sagan once said, Unless we question conventional wisdom, we will never learn anything new. And I'm motivated by, there's a singer-songwriter by the name of Natalie Merchant, who wrote a song called Wonder about a child that challenged conventional wisdom. And a line from the song says, people see me as a challenge to their balance. And it looks like that's what I've become in the plant paradox, but... Most of the things that we think are pretty good to eat for us can actually cause most diseases that we think are just a part of getting old. Yeah, some of the things you talk about in your book, for example, peel your veggies, and you talk about something called lectins. I'd never even heard of them until I read your book. Explain what they are and why they cause a lot of harm or inflammation to the body. One of the things that we are a little naive about is that plants actually don't want to be eaten. We assume that uh, they just sit around and wait for us to gobble them up, but plants are subject to evolutionary pressures exactly like animals. They want to grow, and they want their babies, their seeds to grow. And they did actually really well until animals arrived. Plants were actually here first for over 90 million years before animals arrived. Now, the problem when animals arrived is that plants, because they were tied to the ground, couldn't run, they couldn't hide, they couldn't fight. But they're chemists of incredible ability. So what they do is use biologic warfare to make us, their predators, go away or think twice about eating them or their babies or to have us not thrive. And a smart predator 
gets these messages and usually goes off and eats something else. Unfortunately, as most of us know, we humans are pretty stupid. So if we have joint pain, believe it or not, from eating certain plants or plant babies, we take an Aleve or Advil and assume that's natural. If we have heartburn from eating a hot chili pepper, we take Nexium or Prilosec and assume that's natural. But in fact, there's nothing natural about that. The plant is trying to tell you, you know, you dummy, you shouldn't eat me or my baby, and I'm going to try to get your attention. And we cover up these attention-getting devices. What about what we've seen come into play? And of course, we've seen all kinds of fad diets from the Mediterranean diet to the DASH diet. There's the paleo diet. We have people that are vegetarian. We have people that are vegans, all claiming wonderful health benefits for heart disease, whether it's blood pressure or it's cholesterol. How would you characterize your diet in the sense of, let's say, comparing it to things like being a vegetarian, vegan, or even the paleo diets? Yeah. Well, I have vegetarian, vegan versions of my diet. Every one of my recipes has a vegetarian and a vegan version. I was a professor at Loma Linda University, which is an Adventist vegetarian institution for many years. So I have a large number of vegetarian vegan patients. So there's nothing incompatible with my program at all. And the paleo diet and I are similar in that we both want to remove foods that our ancestors were never exposed to. And And that primarily would be grains and beans, as well as, in my estimation, the American plants, the nightshades like tomatoes and peppers and potatoes, and American beans, which are peanuts and cashews. But the paleo diet assumes that we were actually dining on mastodons 365 days a year, And in fact, the archaeological evidence is that while meat consumption was certainly a part of our diet, most of the foods we ate were either leaves or tubers, and we actually ate quite a bit of fish. So as I talk about in The Plant Paradox, you know, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska and Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and, you know, where meat is king, but sadly, the evidence both from my research and many other research, is that animal protein, and even a fish and a chicken is an animal, is one really good way to accelerate aging, unfortunately. So that's where I differ with the paleo folks, but the paleo diet is a pretty good way to remove a lot of lectins from your diet. Now, in your diet, Some of the things that you talk about almost sound contradictory. We've all been told, you know, natural grains, uh, quinoa, brown rice versus white rice. In your book, you're talking about swap your brown rice for white. Explain that because, as we know, many of the Asian diets in China, Japan, they eat white rice, but health addicts here tell us that white rice is bad for us. Yeah, and that's one of the things that we should have realized long ago. Grains were only introduced to our diet 10,000 years ago. In fact, rice was introduced 8,000 years ago. 
No grade ape has ever been seen eating a grass or seeds of grass because we're not adapted to those lectins and grasses or beans for that matter. We've never eaten them before in our history. And interestingly enough, we were over six feet tall 10,000 years ago, and then we shrunk to about four foot 10 inches after we started eating grains and beans. In fact, Asians, since you brought them up, up until the last generation, who ate large amounts of beans and pulses and grains, were very short. And it wasn't until the Western diet where they reduced their consumption of these supposedly healthy foods that they began to grow. And plants, believe it or not, want us to be small because a small predator will eat less plants. But getting back to white rice, so one of my favorite subjects to talk about is the blue zones. And several of my critics point to the blue zones as blue zones are places where they eat large amounts of grains and large amounts of beans, and that's the secret. Well, that's actually not true. And having lived in a blue zone for much of my life, Loma Linda, California, I can tell you that that's not true. But let's take the Okinawans. The Okinawans are some of the longest living people on earth. And if you look at their diet, which was actually well described by the U.S. Armed Forces in 1949, their diet, which was the diet that these super old people ate, was 80% purple sweet potato, 6% was white rice, and 6% was actually soybeans in the form of miso and a little bit of tofu. But the fascinating thing is they ate white rice. And the researchers who published the Okinawan diet said, wouldn't it be better if they ate brown rice? Think about how much healthier they would be. They actually wrote this. Well, that's the ultimate of intellectual snobbery because your presumption is that brown rice is good for you, but in fact, we should be studying the oldest people and say, isn't that interesting? They eat white rice. What do they know that the experts don't know? And in fact, 4 billion Asians use rice as their staple, and yet they all eat white rice instead of brown rice. And, you know, how can that many people be that stupid? And they're not. The hall of the grains have the majority of the lectins, and these very intelligent people have been taking the hall away. So we should actually study long-lived cultures and learn what, in fact, they do. And let me give you an example of the Adventists. The Adventists are held up by the low-fat community as a great example of how beans and rice are extremely healthy for you. I mean, beans and grains. In fact, the Adventists, their bean that they eat is a soybean, but they don't eat soybeans. They actually eat what's called textured vegetable protein, and it's their meat substitute. And most of the foods are made into fake meat, meats with textured vegetable protein. Textured vegetable protein is actually defatted soybeans that are extruded under extremely high heat and extremely high pressure. So the soybeans that the Adventists eat have been delectinized by the high heat and pressure, which I talk about in the book. 
a pressure cooker will break down these lectins. And the Adventists actually eat a 50% fat diet. They eat huge amounts of eggs and cheeses. And even the vegans eat a 50% fat diet primarily from nuts. So the idea that a low-fat, high-grain, high-bean diet isn't matched by the actual Adventist consumption. And we can go on and on, but the actual data that's available from scientific study doesn't support the idea that grains and beans are the healthy way to extend your lifespan. Doctor, can you explain, I mean, today, I think it's U.S. News and World Reports publishes their favorite ratings for the top diets. I think there's probably 40-some-odd diets every single year. Somebody comes out or somebody writes a new book. What is it about the medical profession? Because you talk about in your book, if somebody follows your diet, you have made tremendous advances in helping people with heart disease, blood pressure, diabetes, why is there such a widespread disagreement within the health community? I mean, you're a cardiologist, but I've read books of cardiologists that recommend vegetarian and vegan diets, eating the very same foods we just talked about that aren't necessarily good for you. Well, remember, most of our education and physicians, we get very little nutritional training at all. It's about an hour class. And most of our education in nutrition comes from pharmaceutical companies and comes from the Department of Agriculture. Now, as I point out, the Department of Agriculture is in the business of selling agricultural products. They're not in the business of promoting health, believe it or not. And there is substantial contribution to have people eat what we make in this country. And quite frankly, we make large amounts of grain products. We make large amounts of beans. And we actually make a large amount of animal products as well. And we have a huge amount of polyunsaturated oil products in this country. So there's no doubt in my mind and many others that the information that most doctors receive is quite frankly bent to do the party line. I'll give you an example. I was president of the American Heart Association Desert Chapter for two years, and I can tell you that the heart healthy sticker that's put on packages is not awarded. It's actually purchased, and there are actually bidding wars to get this sticker. I mean, believe it or not, Fruit Loops gets a heart-healthy seal of approval. My favorite example is the Grapefruit Association of Florida outbid the California grapefruit growers for the American Heart Association seal of approval. Even though a grapefruit is pretty much a grapefruit, only the Florida grapefruit gets it and the California grapefruit doesn't get it because they paid the American Heart Association for that honor. And that's how it works. You know, something you talk about in your book, and there's been some documentary films referring to this, is 
a lot of the animal-based proteins that we eat today, whether it's pork, whether it's chicken or beef. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Basically have things that are used in their raising. For example, hormones or antibiotics that we don't realize that we're ingesting that affect our digestive system Likewise, with certain seafoods, for example, things like swordfish or the big, big game fish like tuna that consume smaller fish have found like things like mercury. I wonder if you could talk about that and how that also influences our health. Yeah, the problem is that we've all heard the advice that you are what you eat, which is very true. But what we haven't really thought much of is we are what we eat, but more importantly, we are what the thing we're eating ate. And what's happened is that you're correct, a cow is no longer a cow, a pig is no longer a pig, and a chicken is no longer a chicken. Because cows are fed corn and soybeans, they have no business eating corn and soybeans, they are designed to eat grass and hay. Pigs are designed to eat worms and roots and grubs, and chickens are designed to eat bugs. But they've all been fed primarily corn, soybean, and wheat. And we now know that lectins, which are abnormal for these animals, appear in their meat. And I have a number of patients who their free-range chicken was one of their problems with their autoimmune disease, just as an example. But you're right, you can keep a chicken in a warehouse along with 100,000 other chickens and keep them in that warehouse 24 hours a day and you can label them free range as long as you open a door five minutes a day to the outside world, which is a patch of grass three feet by three feet, and they have the potential to go outside and you can label them free range. Now, In those crowded conditions, they're given antibiotics, even if it says antibiotic-free, beware. Up until a couple of months ago, arsenic, which is an antibiotic, could be given and not been put on the label as an antibiotic. And recently, you probably saw there was a big to-do about a natural chicken company in the South that 67% of the chicken parts tested had antibiotics in them. So a chicken is not a chicken. It's basically an ear of corn with feathers and a cow and a pig the same way. The other thing that's probably the most distressive that most people are unaware of is that almost all of our grains, our soybean, our canola, and corn are harvested with Roundup being sprayed on them. Most people hear Roundup and they think about GMOs, and that's certainly true, but Roundup is an effective killer of all plants. And so commercial agriculture wants to harvest a particular field on a particular day to get the machines always moving. So we now spray conventional crops with 
Roundup as what's called a desiccant. It kills the plant, the plant dries up, and it's easy to harvest. Roundup is now, it's not washed off the corn, it's not washed off the wheat or soybeans, and it's fed to our animals, and it's fed to us in our all of our bakery products, all of our corn chips, all of our corn products, and Roundup ends up in us. And Roundup is a major disruptor of our bacteria in our gut, our microbiome. And in fact, we now recently learned that even California wines have Roundup in them because Roundup has been sprayed indiscriminately. And one of the things up until the current time is that Europe has banned Roundup. And it's one of the reasons many of my patients can go to Europe who have autoimmune diseases and eat breads or have pasta and don't seem to react, but then they come home and say, oh, I'm, you know, I can eat bread and pasta and I'm fine. And then they eat our stuff and they start being sick again. So these are how our food supplies have been manipulated, kind of out of sight. So try to stay away from commercial chicken, commercial beef, commercial pork. It's not a chicken anymore. You know, you also talk about other things that we ingest. For example, one thing that surprised me reading your book is mouthwash, which, you know, we're told to take to kill mouth bacteria, could actually increase blood pressure or, for example, hand sanitizers that you often even see in the doctor's office are also not good for us. So we're constantly bombarded unknowingly of things that are toxic to our body. Right. We now know, you know, the Human Microbiome Project, which has now been ongoing for about 10 years now, has identified the fact that there are well over 10,000 different species of bacteria that live on us, in us, and in our mouth. And there's a human fungus project, the microbiome project, that's just getting started that's now finding that there are a huge number of fungi that live in us that are equally important or detrimental. But the fascinating thing about mouthwash is you have to have certain bacteria in your mouth that are able to convert things that we exhale into nitrous oxide, which is what dilates our blood vessels. And they did a very interesting study in humans looking at people who were asked to use a mouthwash and not asked to use mouthwash and look at systolic blood pressure elevation. And lo and behold, the folks who used mouthwash had an elevation in their blood pressure and the folks who didn't use mouthwash didn't. And that's because the mouthwash users were killing off the friendly bacteria that they needed to make this blood vessel dilating compound. So, you know, we're told constantly that germs are our enemy. But in fact, germs are 90% of all the cells that make us human. If we did a body count, 90% of all the cells in us are non-human. They're bacteria, funguses, viruses, worms. And what's even more striking is that 99% of the genetic material that makes us us are actually non-human DNA, non-human genes. So as I like to tell anyone who will listen, 
we're basically a condominium for bugs, and we're their home. And the more we learn about how we're a symbiotic organism that depends on our microbiome for good health, in turn, they depend on us for their housing. And the evidence now of how much bacteria control us is so far-reaching, we can take, for instance, bowel movements from obese humans and feed them to skinny rats. Rats love poop, by the way. And these rats will become fat. Conversely, we can take bowel movements from skinny individuals and feed them to fat rats and they'll become skinny because the bacteria control the eating behavior. Recently, uh, it's been shown, and I'm giving a lecture about this in Berlin in two weeks at the microbiota meeting, you can take the bowel movements from young rats and feed them to very old, decrepit rats, and the old rats will become young again. Who would have believed that the fountain of youth was actually poop? We better call Ponce de Leon. And it's actually because the young bacteria want to spruce up the old home that was a fixer-upper. And they actually go about manipulating the mitochondria, which are the energy-producing organelles of the cell. And they actually send them text messages to, hey, come on, you know, spiff up this place. And this is mind-boggling stuff, and yet it's able to be proved and measured. So scary stuff, but fascinating. So, doctor, when you get down to the average American who lives a busy life, parents both working, how do you get into this kind of diet? In other words, making these kind of meals, are there services out there, and even also, too, going out to restaurants when God knows what you're getting? No, you're right. First of all, everybody ought to own a modern pressure cooker. The modern pressure cookers are not like grandma's pressure cooker that blew up stuff all over the ceiling. The modern pressure cooker works just like a rice cooker, but pressure cookers destroy lectins. The other thing that's amazing about pressure cookers is they're incredibly fast. And you can have a meal for four on the table, uh, even if you want to have, for instance, beans in 15 minutes. So it's a great help for busy families. The other thing you want to do is remember that a menu only tells you what the chef has in the back. And you can always pick through a menu and find things that you can eat safely. And a lot of people carry my little two-page list with them when they're shopping and out to eat. And you know, I try to make this as as easy as possible for people. And, you know, judging from the popularity of the book, you know, it's been on the New York Times bestseller list for 13 weeks and reading the reviews in Amazon and, you know, thank everyone for writing those reviews. I read every one of them. This has really stuck, you know, a chord and is really working for so many people. And I, I appreciate it. Well, listen, Doctor, I appreciate you coming on the program and giving us part of your busy schedule. The name of the book is called The Plant 
paradox, the hidden dangers in healthy foods that cause disease and weight gain. And Dr. Gundry has been my guest. Thanks for coming on the program. Well, thanks so much for having me and um, be happy to come back and chat anytime you want. All right. Thank you, doctor. All right. Thank you. You know, it's rather interesting. We've been covering over the last couple of years. If you've been listening to Lifetime Income, we've had everybody from paleo diets to vegetarian to vegan to just about every form of diet. What's always amazing, you learn something a little bit different every time you read some of these books. For example, one thing that really surprised me all my life, if you go to a dentist, they tell you to take mouthwash. You know, it's supposed to kill the germs in your body, but as the doctor talked about there are certain things that you need that help with your cardiovascular system that this mouthwash actually kills so great great book and you know my own view is everybody's a little bit different your weight your diet your stress levels what you do for a living your blood type etc but hopefully uh, you have a chance to read this book and try it yourself there's been a lot of reviews written of it and individuals who have actually gotten healthy, gotten rid of problems from diabetes to heart disease, whether it's blood pressure or cholesterol problems by following this diet. It is true, says the doctor, and there's several documentaries out there. We, In fact, we've had a couple of them on the program here. The food that we eat today is different than the food our grandfather's and grandmothers ate. It's processed, it's raised differently, the soil's different, the chemicals, the preservatives, the hormones, the antibiotics, and the things that they feed in our modern industrialized society is a different kind of food, and it's no wonder, if you take a look at the Western diet, that the prevalence of so many killing diseases, from heart disease to cancer to diabetes, And Dr. Gundry goes a long way to exploring some of the myths about the foods we eat and the way they're processed. I'm Jim Paplava. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to Financial Sense NewsHour in the iTunes and BlackBerry podcast libraries or at feeds.feedburner.com slash FSM. Find more information about our guests at www.financialsense.com slash newshour. Friend us at www.facebook.com slash financialsenseonline. For our on-the-go listeners, you can access Financial Sense on your mobile device at m.financialsense.com. The Financial Sense News Hour is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be considered as a solicitation or offer to purchase or sell any securities. The investments, investment strategies, and investment philosophies discussed or presented on the News Hour each involve their own unique risk factors, which are not discussed on the show. Responses to listener inquiries are based on the personal opinions of James Poplava and do not take into account listeners' suitability, objectives, or risk tolerance. Financial Sense News Hour and its parent company shall not be liable for any financial losses that result from investing in any companies profiled on or advertising with Financial Sense or arising out of the use of any material on the News Hour. Be advised that you invest at your own risk. Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, 
Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.